This is the God and Government Podcast. I am your host, John Steinreich. Welcome to the Free Speech Zone. And joining me on the line is my wingman, Mark Richardson. How are you doing this afternoon, Mark? everybody. <laughs> Always got a joke, this guy over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, speaking of jokes, <laughs> wait till we get to our topic. <laughs> oh, yes. It's going to be comedy in a non-funny way, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, folks, I, I, I try to bring some levity to this because if you don't try to at least find some humor in it, you'd be really depressed or frustrated, or angry, or probably a combination. Of yeah, I would say all of the all of the above and more. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, we had a really great discussion um, on our our last podcast about cancel culture, um, and that phenomenon is, has come about um, in large measure because of the political crisis that we're in, and um, it also feeds into our current political crisis. And we're going to talk about that political crisis related to our uh, main political parties in this country. Um, before I get into the verses and the passages, I, I just wanted to kind of get your feedback. Um, see, you know, obviously you're, you're a strong conservative guy. Um, have you affiliated yourself either with the Democrats or Republicans during your life? And, and if so, what made you, you know, make a choice to be with one of the other parties? You know, it's a fair and reasonable question. I, I'm sure that as I don't, you know, I don't have a full tracing of my, I don't have a contract tracing of my political, <laughs> uh, my political DNA. But I do know that I'm sure at some point I was, I, I voted a Democrat, you know, because of course it's like, you know, as a, as a African American male, like this, it sort of kind of goes with goes with the territory. It's, right. It's, you know, you, you don't you don't ask questions like your, you know, your your parents voted Democrat. Their parents voted Democrat, so you just voted Democrat. Right. But then after I after I got older, and you know started working and started paying taxes, mm. and you came to the realization that um you know that both on both on financial as well as the moral issues, the Democratic Party was wasn't exactly the choice that I felt the, the most comfortable with. Yeah. So then I switched to a Republican. Mm. Okay. And then, then I kind of came to the realization that the Republicans were um, pretty much not much, not much different mm. than uh, the Democrats on a lot of issues. So then I just basically sort of threw my hands in the air and decided to go uh, pretty much not not affiliated. Yeah, yeah. I think we have a sort of a similar trajectory because uh, I I too sort of was a what Andrew Breitbart called sort of a, a factory setting <laughs> liberal. And I, I largely voted Democrat, you know, up until you know, around 9-11, I would say. Um, you know, I come from a Jewish family myself and grew up back east in New Jersey, which is a pretty blue state. Um, and so it was sort of, you know, that's what we all were. And I was very sympathetic to sort of the, the social justice causes of the day. And But I think like you, I had sort of a, an epiphany later on in life from working, seeing taxation and seeing how things work that that those values like the economics uh that the democratic party had espoused really didn't match with the way i viewed economics and there were other things that that made me change my mind and change my voting habits but um i i have been since i've ne never actually registered with either party i've always been an independent 
and uh, I, I, I lean generally voting Republican, but I've found it become it's become much more difficult <laughs> to proactively pull the lever for the Republican Party over the years. I don't know. Have you have you had that kind of feeling as well? Um, well, absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it's been it's been a level of frustration, you know, in terms of the, uh, and especially too now where one like well, once upon a time, say in the like seventies and eighties, where you know the the part the, the parties still had their platforms, yeah. but there but but the the differences weren't quite as insurmountable as they yeah. are now. Because like, well, most of the time you had you would sit on one platform or the other. And then maybe one side or the other would discuss it. They'd go into committees, they'd hash right. it out, and you'd and you'd have an idea that what they what they'd end up with at least had an at least there was some semblance of oh this is good for the good for America. This is good for right. the people. You know, and now now you now you have a situation where it, it, it's it's almost literally it's almost Star Wars. Yeah. You know, you have the you have the you you have the Empire <laughs> and you have the Rebellion. Yeah. But, but, but at least at least, at least with the Rebellion, they were plucky and they stood for something. The GOP stands for nothing Yeah, anymore. that that is definitely a problem and and that um is what brought me to to bring this up as our topic of discussion and I've got three segments and three verses that I want us to look at and and sort of dissect what's happening in the GOP and in the Democratic Party and, you know, maybe give our listeners some food for thought about how to deal with all this. So the, the first verse I want to look at today is Psalm 133 uh, in verse one. And uh, it says there, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I mean, that is a terrific scripture. When there's unity in any organization or a church or a political party, that that's a very strong and healthy thing. And it's going to lead to good outcomes but what we see is a question here about what's happening in the gop i, I you wanted to comment yeah i i want i wanted to add to that like so folks so when you when you, when you look at the scripture it's it's there's a difference between blind it's like blind lockstep obedience right. is and then that's and that's what you have with the democratic party whatever whatever platform that they have no matter how harmful it is to the country or to society in general, everybody's signing right. off on it. There, there, there is a marked difference in that. The GOP at one point in time, yes, it's good to have some disagreement. It's yeah. good to have some healthy debate. It's good to talk about things, and then, but at least you there's there are some points that as a group, everybody everybody's agreed upon. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the difference between unity and uniformity. So what the Bible is telling us is unity. That's sort of yeah. There can be tension. There can be small disagreements. There's hashing things out in a process that and then coming to uh, an agreement. That's unity. Uniformity is, well, the powers that be say it's going to be this way and everybody signs off and that's it. No debate, no discussion. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and you have to you have to ask really tough questions when you think about that, because when you when you're hearing some of some of the proposals, that the Democrat Party is presenting, okay, you would say you 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 may sit back and say, well, yeah, it kind of tastes bad, but okay, I I I can deal with that. Yeah. And then and then then you're saying, well, maybe there maybe there's a different flavor that mm-hmm. I might like. And you look at and look at the Republicans, and you basically are getting 
um, the same flavor, just in the lab yeah, version. exactly. It's it's the saccharin version, uh, no health and no no real taste to it. So <laughs> <laughs> now now with more yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're looking at the basically we're recording this neat you know the the sort of the long aftermath of the twenty twenty election and really for people like us we we tend to be conservative maybe you know maybe there are people out there that that used to be called reagan democrats right they're they're sort of uh center right people but they they might be traditional democrats sort of in the john f kennedy mold and the really the big question for us is in looking at the republican party is it actually a viable entity for people who espouse the types of values that we have which is the fiscal conservatism the traditional family values, uh, strong military, and so forth. Now, what I, I think has happened, especially coming out of the Trump era, the, the Republican Party seems to have split within itself. And you basically have three large factions. I'm, not, you know, I'm painting with a bit of a broad brush, but I think you'll agree with me that there's sort of three factions, which are what I would call never-Trumpers, which are people... Who, who would call themselves conservative, but they really couldn't stand the Trumpian personality, right? They don't like that, that ilk. Then there's the sort of the establishment. Sometimes they're pejoratively called rhinos, like Republicans in name only. You know, they're the country club guys. They've been around forever. They might have supported Trump here and there, but they're, they're, they're kind of guys with fingers in the wind, figuring out which way to go. And then... And oh, then yeah. Yeah, for for any for anybody who doesn't know who that is is folks, if you've seen anything about the GameStop uh like mm-hmm. um uh controversy or chaos like those those yeah, are what we're talking about the, 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 those are the Wall Street right. the Wall Street the establishment guys who who want to, yep they want their pockets lined but then but they don't they don't want you to participate but but they're but then they turn around and they stand up on their platform to vote and they right they exactly the so yeah that's the second group and then the third group. Uh, you know, the, the media would call them MAGA people sort of in a negative way. I would just say that these are sort of the grassroots, blue collar, um, non-elite, just everyday average Americans who have Republican values, the traditional Republican values. Again, fiscally responsible, family values, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, those type of things. Now, so th- those are the three basic groupings and what's so confounding is that each of these groups each of these factions is laying claim to this concept of conservatism and that leads us to ask well what exactly is conservatism and which of these maybe if if we had to pick a group to be in which of these groups would god actually fit or which you know god's ideas would they fit in and which one would conservatism fall in so i'm going to i'm going to place those questions to you then i'll comment back so if you're thinking about those, one is the sort of the never Trump people, the the establishment people and the MAGA or the, the regular everyday Republicans. Where do you think conservatives fall and, and spiritually, where do you think God's values might be found the most? You know, if, if, no, actually, it's, it's, to, me, to me, it's a pretty easy choice. I, th- I think it, it's it, it's it's you you may it's like now. The media port the more the media portrays us as deplorables, yeah. you know, uh, is is <laughs> yeah. phobes, but 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 it's, it's basically the it's basically yeah. the MAGA group because the MAGA group, to me, the MAGA group is 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 basically it's just a derivative of, mm. of the Tea Party movement yeah. when it came up. 
Now, 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 of course, the media portrayed them as extremists, racist, you know, white supremacists. You know, it's actually funny. It's like I've never been I've never been called a, a white supremacist <laughs> yeah, before. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's quite interesting for a black man to be called a white supremacist. I don't know how that calculus works, but maybe I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Yeah, we, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's literally almost like the, like the like the bully, the bully who doesn't have enough creativity. Yeah. To, do I to actually give actually call you a name? It's just like, well, 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 well you're just a white supremacist because because you 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 me what? We because because I believe because I believe in mm. nationalism. Yes, yes, folks, I actually am a nationalist. Mm. I do believe that that this country is yeah. pretty darn great. Is it perfect? Well, there is no such thing as perfection. The only thing that is perfect is perfect right. is God. But 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 here's the point that I think the media constantly avoids is the fact that have there been mistakes made? Yes. 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 Everybody makes mistakes. The the the, the, the most important question is, do you learn Good from point. your mistakes and do you yes. grow from them? I, I agree. Absolutely. You know, the, the term nationalist has been turned into an insult. And, uh, you know, just its basic definition is somebody who loves their country. A patriot might be another another word for it. But for some reason, that's fallen into disfavor. Um, and, and I would tend to agree with you that sort of the conservative values and the sort of the, the godly perspective really lands among just the average everyday people who just want to have traditions, you know, maintain their history, um, you know, being responsible. I think sort of the, the other two prominent groups within the Republican domain actually can talk very nicely. Their words generally sound right. And you can even make a cogent argument, even from a biblical perspective, say, you know what, um, a guy like Donald Trump, who's, who's so brash, you know, he, he doesn't exude sort of that Christian uh, calmness. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't have sort of that mild temperament, that, you know, the meekness. That, that you would expect from, you know, a spiritual leader. And, and that's, a, that's a fair argument to make. But when it comes really down to the policies and the, the value system, I think it really does rest with the grassroots people right now. It doesn't rest with those elites. What do you think? Yeah, you, you, wouldn't, get, you wouldn't get the argument from me. I'm, it's, it's, you, it's you almost... You hear this all the time. I, I'm sure people who may be listening may have heard like the media term, term, uh, term most of the country flyover right. territory, and 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 you, and you kind of and you think about that. And if you're not, and in, in, you know, and you're not in a space of critical thinking, you 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 can kind of hear the snark. Yes. You can hear the derision. You know, you 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 can hear you can hear like this arrogance that that, that comes from that term. You know, ne- ne- never mind. Let's just—I don't know. I'm just going to toss it out there that uh, that area that they call that they use such disdain with um, provides uh, a good portion of the food sure. for the country, <laughs> as, as, as well as well as the manufacturing ability of the country. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, and and they and they kind of they they there tends to be this dismissive effort that well these are all the guys these are all the people who just you know they. They wear they wear their trucker caps and yeah. and, and they ain't got no book learning and <laughs> they just you know and 
and, and, and basically they're just a bunch of ist and phobes because they don't know any better because we're so refined on the east coast. <laughs> yeah, you know the 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 very famous uh, conservative pundit William F. Buckley. I'm um, paraphrasing him. He he once said that uh, he would rather be governed by the first uh, hundred names in the Boston telephone book than by the uh, few people on the faculty of Harvard. So uh, maybe that gives us some insight into <laughs> where conservatism might really actually fall when it comes to Republican politics. Yeah, you know, it, it, you you throw you throw your you throw your hands in the air and you just say. I, and and I'm not like no maybe maybe you you maybe have a deeper explaining uh, explanation mm-hmm. of this John because you know I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just a country <laughs> mouse but it's just it's, it's, it's the idea is just the fact that how did the divide get so great mm. and, and and better yet where did where did the where did the GOP the grand old party where did it lose its wow. way where, where did where did the rudder break <laughs> that's that's an excellent question there's probably dozens of ways to answer it. But um, the, the, the divide, uh, actually, as I've looked back on, on the history of the Republican Party, the divide has always been there in one fashion or another. If you know a little bit of the history, the Republican Party itself came about from the ashes of another fallen party, which was called the Whigs. So this was way back in the 1850s. And the, the Whigs were the opposition to the Democrats. And the Democrats are the longest standing uh, political party in the world. They're close to 200 years old at this point. And they were established under Andrew Jackson really in the 1820s. And then the, the opposition party coalesced and they were called the Whigs in the 1830s, 40s, and 50s. And they, they had different, different interests. They couldn't really coalesce around a singular policy. And particularly in those days, the, the issue was slavery. And the Whigs just could not come up with a singular policy on how to deal with it. And they fractured and they fell apart in the 1850s, and the Republican Party was born uh, as the anti-slavery party. They, they took some Whigs, they took some of these third-party offshoots, and they coalesced around a singular issue, said, we're going to be anti-slavery. And they became very successful. They elected Lincoln. They won the Civil War. They instituted Reconstruction. But then, in the late 1870s, they fragmented, and they lost their sort of civil rights fervor, and they became the party of, of big, business, big business and money interest. And um, they then went on into the, into the 20th century and sort of toyed with progressivism uh, at, you know, under Teddy Roosevelt. And um, they had a sort of a, a rebirth in the 1920s with Harding and Coolidge, which was fiscal conservatism. And when, but when the Great Depression hit, then, then the, the modern Republican Party sort of went aimless, really. And in many respects, I think since the 1930s, it has been a, a wandering party. It hasn't been super strong on civil rights. It's had fits and starts with fiscal responsibility. Um, and uh, really, at this point, it, it, as far as I see, the organization of it is as a second fiddle to the Democratic Party with no real agenda. And, and you and I were talking last week about the song Nowhere Man. <laughs> by the Beatles and, and that, oh, and that yeah. song, really the lyric of that, I think applies quite well to what's happened in the GOP today. You know, he's a real nowhere man, you know, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. And if you were to ask just anybody on the street, Hey, what does the Republican party today stand for? 
they're going to scratch their head. <laughs> and you and I are conservatives, and oh, yeah. we're scratching our head. So, go ahead. You know, as, as a matter of fact, you can even use the other, other part of that verse. You know, it's like, it doesn't have a point of view, knows not where he's going to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know where, man. It's like, no. you, 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 can, you can really just insert Republican Party in, in that. It's like, it's a perfect song for them. Yeah, it's, it reminds me, you know, remember back in 2008, um, at the end of uh, George Bush 43's term, we went through a, a crisis. The housing bubble collapsed, tech bubble collapsed. And so the economy went into a free fall. We started experiencing a great recession. And George Bush 43 made a famous statement. It's like, I, I had to abandon free market principles to save the free market. So here's a Republican president ostensibly leading the, the party of Lincoln and the party of Coolidge and the party of Reagan, who were you know, supposed to be uh, on the forefront of defending the Constitution, defending the free market, advancing free principles, you know, laissez-faire capitalism and all this stuff. And here he is. All right, let me just dump $800 billion into the market, into Goldman Sachs and whatnot, ostensibly to save the free market. I... I that's nowhere man to the max, don't you think? It, it, it absolutely is. It, it, it was, it, you know, the uh, the GameStop <clears throat> chaos was was born was born like from from that from that action and other actions that both Republicans and Democrats have have done. Where where it's this idea that on one hand you you sit back and you talk about you talk about the little guy, mm-hmm. you talk about the opportunities of America. And what makes America great is that you can actually come from nothing. You can come from basically having nothing in your pockets and with hard work and and with an idea. And yeah, it's like, no, no, it's not easy, but but you 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 can make you can make yourself into something here. And then then, then, then but then you turn around with your with your next breath and say, Oh yeah, but they're too big to fail. Mm, yeah. Uh, so, so so we're so we're gonna help them out, but then but then you guys, uh, you're on your own. Folks, if you're listening, does that sound familiar? Hmm, oh, yes. Let's see. Where have I heard that recently? Um, I don't know. Corona COVID-19 yeah. crisis, maybe? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Let me read you a, a verse that will, I think, help us along in this area of the discussion. It's Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And it says there, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. In other versions, it says, you know, where there's no vision, you know, people wander. And, and I think that's very applicable to the Republican Party right now. Again, since there, sir, there are three main sort of factions within it that are not unified, they don't experience unity, they're all over the place, and the, the people who are in control of the formal establishment that have the microphone, the ones that appear on Fox News or on CNN, um, they may talk a good game, but really underneath it, there's there's no vision, there's no revelation, and therefore there's no restraint. They're aimless. They're just wandering. And there's a quote um, by Victor Davis Hanson, a really great historian at uh, Stanford University. He talks about he's a, a classicist, so he he looks back at history and and he t- in large measure when he talks about the Roman Empire. He, he assesses that they fell apart, not because of external enemies, but because they were aimless. They forgot what it meant to be a Roman. They forgot their values, and they collapsed from within. So when the barbarians were at the gate, there was no force to stop them. They had no moral character. And I really see that 
<clears throat> in the Republican Party is that they've forgotten their history. They've forgotten their their strength of anti-slavery, civil rights, fiscal responsibility, sort of that anti-communism that brought down the Soviet Union back in the 1980s. They have no vision. And they're, they're going to they're wondering. So I, I want to, you know, as you think about those things, what do you think the prognosis is for the GOP in that condition? Um, it, <clears throat> I, I believe and this is, this is just my this is just my thought. I, I, I believe that basically the GOP will, will, will see will cease to become a, rel, a relevant party within the next uh, with, with actually with, within the next election cycle. Wow. If, if, it, if it doesn't happen sooner, because. I mean, there, there, there's a group. Okay, let's say, let, let's let's just say for for example, how many like, how, how many people, John? How many people voted for Trump in this last election? Roughly seventy-five million. And and I and I, I do believe that, that 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 the majority of that seventy-five million, honestly believe. Now, here, here's the important difference, folks. So just stay with me. They believed in the message that Trump had, yes. not necessarily Trump himself. Yes, but I they, agree. But they. But they Yep, they, they they believed in his position. His position was, yeah, America first. America is great. It's like we should be all be proud to be Americans. So it was like we don't we don't. I don't want to be in your. I don't want to be in your pocket. You know, as the government, I want you people to be able to live your lives. You know, live free, have fun, follow the rules, and just and, and just enjoy enjoying what is a what makes America yes. great. And, and and then I now that now that Trump has now that Trump has departed, I look at the Mitch McConnells. I look at I look at the the corporate establishment that is the GOP, and I think most like most of the seventy five million have basically looked at what they have there, and they're basically doing this. You all are nothing but a bunch of sellout. Yeah. I we have no interest in you, and we will not vote yeah. for you. I I think you're right. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, I think what what the media has done is tried to portray those 75 million as sort of a cult of Trump. It's like, oh, it's all about him and he's the man. And and I think from a, uh, a ground level view like you and I, it's like, well, you know, we could take him or leave him as a person. It's really the ideas that he was advancing that we would support. You know, he's got some positive personal qualities and some negative personal qualities, but they're going to come and go. But it's it's the the deeper values. And I think you're absolutely right that the large number of people who are, you know, were Trump voters or Republican voters in this last election are looking at the establishment saying, not only do you have no personality, but you have no vision. You you know how to talk to me. You say nice things. But when it comes down to doing something that advances my freedom, that keeps the government out of my pocket, that helps me to uh, live my best life, to practice my religion as I see fit, you guys aren't standing up for that. The the the, 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 the Republican Party is really they're they're that they, they are they are that kid in school who really wants to yeah. be liked. So they so they so they they will they will issue anything that, that they stand for in order in order to make sure that they, that that the cool kids mm. like them. Yep, that's that's a good point. Very good point. I want to I want to move on to one last topic before we we close out this this episode, and I want to be you know sort of fair and balanced here. We we talked extensively about the Republican Party, but I do want to talk about the Democratic Party because I'm sure that some of our listeners, you know, either they're Democrats or they they lean that way or they they vote Democratic, and and I look at them 
you know, the Democratic Party sort of with a, I must say, a bit of a jaundiced eye because of the things that I've seen them growing into over the last couple of decades are rather troubling. And let me read a verse for you here in uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verses 16 through 18. And uh, it says there, do not be overrighteous, neither be overwise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over wicked. Do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. Now, I read that in relation to my analysis of the Democratic Party, because I, I see a lot of these features that the uh, Ecclesiastes writer is warning against as being very prevalent among the, the Democratic establishment and the media and entertainment, Hollywood and so forth, that supports the Democratic agenda. This idea of being over-righteous, you know, really being morally preening, saying things like, you know, if you uh, don't believe in anthropogenic climate change, you're, you're a denier, you're anti-science, right? Um, things you know, which re really demonstrates no willingness to consider another viewpoint. Uh, do not be over wicked. And, and we know that in, in, in this case, the, the Democratic Party Part of its platform is a it's a pro-abortion platform. It's a pro-LGBT uh, or same-sex marriage platform. And, and we recognize from biblical um, wisdom that these things are, are not right. <laughs> so they're, they're actually promoting values that run contradictory to the Bible in many respects. And then the last part is, hey, don't go to extremes. And, and what I see, and maybe you see this too, is that sort of the ascendant wing of the Democratic Party is not the, the old guard, the Steny Hoyer types, uh, or what used to be called blue dog Democrats that had sort of conservative values. But the ascendant types are the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib. These types who are very, very radical, they espouse almost mm -hmm. communistic worldview. And so that, that leads me to be very concerned. I mean, as you analyze this scripture and, and what's going on, what, what do you see going on in the Democratic Party today? The, Dem the Democratic Party, unlike the, unlike the Republican Party, has right. a vision. The problem that they have is that, is, is that their vision, their vision is not, to me, it's not mm. supported biblically. It, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't stand on on any biblical principles and and folks you know i know i know that this is this may this you know that this may make me an enemy to you but you but if you're a democrat and you and you go to church and you read the bible and you're a jesus follower you have to you must take a look at mm. the democratic platform and set it up with, with what the bible says and take a look at some of the points and ask yourself is as a jesus follower are these principles, is this platform something that I can stand behind and sleep at night? Yeah, I think that, that's, a, that's a really good challenge to, to put forward. It, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a personal attack or anything that you're describing. It's really, you're, you're asking people of, of faith to, to a call to action, a spiritual action, meaning, okay, uh, maybe um, from a personality basis, I don't like a guy like Donald Trump. Maybe I prefer President Biden to him because of his personality, his demeanor, his experience, you know, he's been in public service a long time. But really, you do have to ask yourself, what, what is it that he stands for? 
what 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 do each of them stand for? You know, maybe I got the 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 crummy looking package with one of them, but it's on the inside. It's got a a lot of things that I like. And on the out, the other one has a really nice looking exterior, but on the inside, it's stuff that I don't want or I didn't order. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what it is. What do you think? Oh no! Oh, absolutely. And and I I just I just had a quick I just had a quick add on that I had to think about. And this and this goes for both yes. parties. Um, all these executive orders, folks. Um, by the way, they circumvent the constitutional yes. process that actually that actually is that this country yeah. stands upon. Because if you think about it, it's you know what I don't want to bring this to Congress because it, it won't get done. So I'm going to write an executive. I'm going yes. to write an executive order. Um, that if that is not a recipe for disaster. If you are Republican or Democrat, I don't know what. Yeah, is. well, I I agree with that. What you see in this is executive order phenomenon. It's sort of like a game of table tennis. So uh, with President Obama, he made a lot of executive orders that created policy for the states, and he was criticized um, for you know going outside the bounds of the Constitution. And then Donald Trump came into office, and he <laughs> said about writing executive orders to reverse what Barack Obama had done. And then he was criticized for that. And now, under our new president, he's come in with his pen and started writing executive orders to reverse what Donald Trump has done. And wait, wait, wait. And I and I believe the current order stands yeah. at ten thousand. Overall, yes, you're right. Like uh, in terms of presidential history, something like ten thousand or more executive orders over time. But they weren't even actually numbered until I think 1907. I was reading something like that. Like there were executive orders beforehand but they were so few and far between that they weren't they weren't even cataloged if you think about it the emancipation proclamation itself was what we would call an executive order today right it just came from the desk of the president saying all right under military terms i'm freeing the slaves but lincoln knew that that order didn't carry any real weight until it went through the congressional process and the constitutional process to fully strike down slavery but what we're living with now is (laughs) something where it's uh you know we're governed by fiat and if anything comes up to law it's five thousand pages of uh bills that nobody reads (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) well and and, and for that one i give you the the grand example obamacare folks or the or the affordable care yeah or the affordable care two thousand pages that no one has read (laughs) But you know what? The stimulus, the last one that was done right before the end of the Trump presidency was something like 5,000 pages. Think about that. You know, so we're, we're, we're way off the rails with, with, with all this stuff. And, and both parties are at fault for all of this. So I, I would say as we, we close that the real question to, to ask the listeners is, you know, what do you what do you think about this as as a listener? If you're a Christian what do you think about the, the values espoused by the parties? And, you know, maybe it's time for, for all of us just to walk away. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, 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 we're, and, and, and folks, we're actually working on this. So we're actually going to get ourselves, we're actually going to get ourselves to a point where we're actually going to have, you know, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a site where, yep. where you can actually email us, you know, email us what you think and email, email us your, you know, your opinions and thoughts. And um, you know, and we'll and we'll, we'll take a look at them, and we may post even you know some some of the questions Absolutely. in uh, future discussions. Well, this has been a, a riveting discussion, my friend. Any final words before we sign off? 
No, I still got nowhere, man. Like running in my head. It just, it just, it just it, 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 yeah, well, it, and it's path. demonstrating how old we actually are. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, it's like making it's all is nowhere plans right. for nobody. <laughs> well, everybody, this has been the God and Government podcast. Um, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash God and Government. And when Parlor comes back online, at God and Government as well. Take it easy, Mark. Yep, everybody, take care. Have a great week, and, and we'll see you. We'll see you soon.